The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this hour of today's Homeowner Radio. Danny Lipford here along with my buddy Joe Truini, and have a lot to share with you during this hour. Of course, we've got a lot of emails and a lot of callers that will be coming in. And um, we're going to also talk about, you know, how should you feel some of those cracks that you might have in your concrete? And we're talking about where, you know, maybe an older slab up against a newer slab, you have what's called a cold joint. Is it important? We'll talk all about that because almost every house has this situation that needs to be corrected. Also, one thing that I think everybody likes, especially on an outside porch, is a wood ceiling. What do you need to know before you install that wood on your ceiling? We'll talk about that armadillo invasion. Wow. I, I haven't thought, I haven't, I don't know if we've ever had a call about armadillos invading, I but I don't um, think so. But we've got uh, some advice on that because they can absolutely destroy a yard. Of course, as I mentioned earlier, we've got a lot of emails we're going to share with you. And, and Joe, I know you've got a simple solution for us. I do indeed. And this is, um, it's a little maintenance, quick little maintenance, simple solution to make sure your smoke detectors are working properly. Oh, that's an important one as well. Okay, here's how you do it. All you do is pick up the phone and call us. That's how easy it is. It's toll-free. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the number is 800-946-4420. Or you can send us an email anytime, todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Let's get to a few of those callers that we had this week on the Today's Homeowner Hotline. My issue is that my fake shake vinyl siding is fading because of the sun. I know that there is one product out there to correct that, but it's very expensive and very much more extensive than what I need. I just need a a replacement or repair for a an area about three feet wide and about 10 feet high. All right. Well, you know something that we did a few years ago with the company Armorall. Armorall was looking to ways to kind of broaden their market, if you will, beyond just your dashboard in your car. So we worked with them on trying it on a number of different things like vinyl shutters. You know, vinyl shutters get, you know, kind of what you've described here, kind of get a little faded because of the sun. And I'll tell you what, it was amazing. I would say 75% of the things that we tried with Armorall worked extremely well. Now, how long does it last when you put it on there? Because you still have the, the, the harshness of the sun hitting it and so forth. Joe, I believe I would uh, I'd recommend trying that. It's a heck of a lot yeah, cheaper why not? than yep. what they may have. And just try it on one small area and see what it does. But uh, generally, I mean, just like it does on the um, dashboard of a car, which is pretty amazing. You know, you, you clean it, you put Armorall on it, and it looks like it's almost brand new. Yeah, and you would have to redo it, but it's a pretty affordable product. Um, I think the one she's referring to, there's a product that works great. I think it's called Vinyl Boost, but it's about $70 a quart. Uh, even though she only needs, yeah, even though she only needs a little, you know, that's a lot of money. I think I would try rejuvenate. We, we've talked about rejuvenate in the past because they make uh, floor cleaning products, a lot of ways to clean floors, wood 
furniture, that kind of thing. That's they another do good have a, suggestion. Yeah, yeah, they have a product called Outdoor Color Restorer, Restorer, and um, I'm pretty sure you can use it on vinyl. That's only about eighteen dollars a quart, so maybe that'd be another option. All right, let's go back to the today's homeowner hotline for another call. Hi, question about uh, garden hoses. When I hook up the hose to the faucet, turn it on, it leaks at the point of the faucet. And this happens at both faucets. So I'm inclined to think that the problem is with the hose. Please tell me if there's a different type of hose I might get at Home Depot or if there's an attachment I need. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, boy, pros, uh, uh, hoses have been so problematic a lot of times. First of all, I know when I built my new home, I was determined to go by, and I went and bought a commercial, several commercial hoses, and I have had no problems with them whatsoever. Yep. How, yep. However, the little washer that's in there is supposed to stay in there, but I've, they seem to, to jump out every now and then. Yep. Yep, and that's if right. that's not in there, you'll never be able to tighten it up enough to keep it from leaking. You think that might be the problem that he's having, Joe? Well, that's the first thing I thought, Danny, is when you take your hose off, take a look inside that little female fitting on the end of the hose, because it should have a rubber washer in there. And I think what happens, Danny, is right, they kind of dry out sometimes when you disconnect them for a while, and they, they might just pop out. And you can buy a whole packet of them for probably $2 at the hardware store. So may, that's the first thing. Um, and when I put mine on, I crank it on with a wrench. There's no way to pull it off by hand. I figured I'd give it a little bit of extra mm-hmm. pressure. If and now, if it's still leaking, you know, then it's a washer that's at the end of the stem, meaning it's the faucet itself that's leaking. Mm-hmm. The, the hose faucets leak either at the stem, which is the shaft that comes out of the faucet, or it le- leaks from the faucet itself. If it's leaking, he seems to indicate that it's leaking from the faucet itself. Then you have to. You can try tightening the bonnet nut. The bonnet nut is the nut that's right on top of the faucet, faucet itself. You can try tightening that up. You have to be careful. If you tighten it too much, and you can't operate. You can't open or close it. But you can try tightening that. That will stop it. Or take it out and replace the rubber gasket at the end of the stem. When you pull out that f- the shaft, loosen, take off, loosen the bonnet nut, pull out that stem. At the end, there's a washer. And that deteriorates after a while. So you'd have to replace that. That usually solves the problem. Yeah, and, and there's nothing more aggravating than a faucet, you know, um, leaking so much. Like oh, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's just one of those things, and it seems to have plagued me over the years, but not anymore. Good the, for you, Dan. The hose, it'll take care of it. Let's grab one more call from the Today's Homeowner Hotline. Well, my problem is concrete. I have a 5 by 7 little porch, and the previous people uh, fertilized the plant. It went over, and it's done damage to my concrete. I'd like to know what I can do to cover it up and make it look better. Well, I know exactly what she's talking about. You know, that fertilizer. I mean, they tell you, don't get it don't on your concrete. On. And, right. and if yep. you do, you need to, you know, get it off of there as soon as you can. Sweep it, um, get your water hose, and, you know, kind of coat it out really, really well. But as far as what you can do on it, I mean, first of all, you can clean it really, really well and see if maybe that has, you know, can minimize the damage that you're seeing. You know, you could use a trisodium phosphate, TSP, that we recommend a lot, that works really well on concrete, and just try to see if you can clean it off. If not, and you're worried about the aesthetics of it, then you're going to have to basically coat it. A lot of different options there with concrete um, stain, not paint. We don't recommend painting concrete. Um, You may also use um, some of the products that our friends at Deitch Coatings have. You might consider that, but 
If it's a cosmetic issue, you basically do need to put some kind of coating on it. But um, I wonder what it is on the fertilizer. What is the chemical that does all the etching to concrete like that? Yeah, I'm not sure. Is it the nitrogen or whatever's in there? And it has usually it leaves a yellow stain on the concrete. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would try TSP. If you have any hydrogen peroxide in the house, try that first. Just yeah, pour some yeah. on. It can't mm-hmm. can't hurt the concrete. Pour it on. You know, let it soak in. Keep it wet for a couple hours and scrub it off. Um, or then, if necessary, try the TSP. Um, otherwise, they do make industrial masonry cleaners. I don't know how big a problem this is. And, you know, this can be a relatively expensive, but if you can get one that's affordable, you can clean it with, again, this is specifically made for masonry products like concrete. And then, as Danny suggested, then seal it. Now, Joe, that reminds me of something or makes me think of something. When you were a kid and you got a little... Um, injury. Let's say you had a little cut or a nick right. or something like that on your arm or your leg. What did your mom or dad do at that point? Did they did they pour anything on the the wound? They did, and there were two things. One that wasn't very effective but didn't hurt, and one that hurt like heck. It was either mercurochrome or which was reddish or iodine, which was brown. And the iodine was like, you know what? I'd rather just bleed them out than have you put. <laughs> and it, I know they used to put, they used the, people sometimes put uh, hydrogen peroxide, but they tell you you should never put that really on an open wound, even though it fuzzes up and bubbles and fizzes and all that. But you're really not supposed to put that. But, but, I, but I did I did that for years and the and the methylate or the mercurochrome and all yeah. of that. I assume all of that's outlawed. I don't know. I never never see or hear it anymore. <laughs> Most right. of it's the neosporin that people use on that. But uh but uh, I know we had we I had a bad cut on my uh heel one time from yeah. a bicycle and the maid that we had at the time grabbed <clears throat> the rubbing alcohol. Oh wow. And yeah, I, I, that's I like forty-five or eighty percent, depending on yeah, alcohol. Yeah, that's like it, all alcohol. Yeah. It sounded like Tarzan was in my living room because <laughs> I lit it. I lit it very, very loud. You're listening to today's homeowner radio. We're just getting started on this hour. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone. Creating beautiful landscapes. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my buddy Joe Truini. And both Joe and I are so proud of the wonderful stations that carry the Today's Homeowner Radio Show across the country. Like this one in New London, New Hampshire. WNTK 99.7 FM. A special hello to everybody there. And I'll remind you how you can reach out to us. 800 946 4420 is that today's homeowner hotline, or you can send us an email anytime by going to today's homeowner.com slash ask. Right now, we're going to go right to Michigan. Peter's on the line. Peter, welcome to the show, and uh, tell us what's going on around your house. I've got a slab crack problem, and what's happening, of course, we've got Michigan winters, and mm-hmm. when you get some uh, snow melt in there, the water goes down between the two slabs and expands and cracks. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking a couple different ideas. I thought about cutting clear through the slab and then allowing the, the water to drain off that way. But I'm thinking that would probably give me a heaving problem when the water refroze under the slab. Mm-hmm. Probably. So, yep. so I thought about, okay, fill the crack. And while I'm trying to clean out the old materials that the previous owners have put in there. I found epoxy and a variety of different types of material that they've used to try to seal that up. 
I'm looking for a recommendation from you as to what to seal that crack with. Peter, Peter, a quick question before Danny gives you a, a solution here. Do you, do you think or do you know if this crack goes all the way through the slab or do you think it's surface crack? I think it's a surface crack because when it's uh, the water's liquid, it doesn't drain away. It's okay, well, that's good. And then yeah, that's good. Okay. Uh, about how wide is the widest crack that you have there, Peter? Uh, about an inch and a half. Oh, wow. Whoa. 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 Well, it's, Whoa. <laughs> it's you been need some, you need some. Years. You need some road cones just to put around this thing. Keep keep people wow. from falling in. Wow, inch and a half. I don't think I've ever heard of a crack inch and a half wide that didn't go through the slab. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it it looks to be like it just falls the top edges, so it mm. doesn't seem to actually go down through. So, yeah, I mean, it, eventually okay. the concrete does become solid. Okay. Well, wow. when, you know, normally when we have a, you know, expansion type crack, um, of course, it's usually much, um, you know, more narrow than that. And, you know, what you would normally do is, of course, clean the crack out the best you can. And then a lot of times you'd have to use a backer rod, which is just a flexible um, material that's a very inexpensive available at the home center. And you just kind of push it down in there, leaving about three eighths to a half inch um, surface, you know, uh, recess it down about that much, and then fill it with a concrete repair caulk. So some of the other smaller cracks that you have, that may be all you need to do because the concrete repair caulk, um, like the type that Quickrete has, um, remains flexible. So, you know, if you have those ah. fluctuations in temperatures and so forth, it'll move around and, and that kind of thing. But I'll, I'll tell you something that we tested recently, and it is pretty amazing, from a tight bond. Tightbond created this. They worked on it for years and years, and it, it's called Duramaster. Duramaster. We put it on a door jam that had a pronounced crack of about an inch and a quarter. We put it on there to test it, and then we actually had it where we could pull, and you couldn't pull it apart, but it remained flexible. So that may be an alternative for that larger crack that you have, or you may just need to buy some uh, regular bag concrete, mix it, pour it, surface it out, because that is a pretty sizable crack. Right, and it extends, uh, you know, 16 feet across the two-car garage drive, so... Yeah, I think that's going to need concrete in it, to tell you the truth. And again, some of the smaller ones, you can use the concrete repair caulk. But that one, I would go ahead and clear out as much as you can. I found that using an old screwdriver and then using a leaf blower to blow out the debris is a pretty simple, easy way, fast way to get it done. And and then just keep feeding that concrete in there as much as you can and take your trial, leave it nice and flush. And then keep an eye on it because it still might have some hairline cracks that form um, after it dries, but that's okay. Water's not going to get out in those. But if it starts shifting and you see any crackle, um, you know, anything cracking, that would indicate some movement is taking place, and that's more of a serious issue. You're right. Yeah, if the, if the slabs themselves are moving, but they're they're both very stable, so it's just right Good. in the, the joint. Yeah, P- Peter, I was wondering if you're familiar with hydraulic cement and whether that might be an option too for that really wide crack. Um, it's you know it's it's specifically made for plugging holes and cracks in concrete. I don't th- I don't I've never used it for an entire like a long wide crack, but it's simply called hydraulic um, con- yeah, uh, yeah. cement. Yeah, so ch- yeah, you can try that, that as well. Yeah, and a self leveling sealant. Um, is also good for filling those cracks. You just have to make sure any caulk that you use or sealant will, you know, is recommended for a really wide joint like that. There's a company called Sika 
S-I-K-A that makes a professional grade self-leveling sealant that um, might work for their in that wide space as well. Right, yeah, and then looking at what uh, they've put in there before, I mean, they've, they've tried a variety of things. They're yeah, everything from yeah. tar to uh, epoxy, and, and yeah. I'm working on cleaning out that joint right now. Yeah, good. So. The problem with epoxy is that it dries hard, and as Danny said, the nice thing about the caulks that that's that Quickrete make or or tight bond make of their um, or even Sika, they're flexible, so they will give with any movement. Um, the epoxy would just crack. Right, and that's what it appears to have happened. Yeah. So, so the tight bond Duramaster is the flexible yes. product. Yeah, I would really, I would try it. It's amazing. I, I've never seen anything like it, and that'll uh, provide that flexibility be, that you need there. Well, Peter, I certainly hope this works out well for you. I'm uh, glad you were able to be a part of the show with us uh, today. Well, thank you very much. I really enjoy it. It's a great show. Well, I thank appreciate you. it. Well, have a fantastic weekend and a great week. You take, you too. Take care. Okay, thank you very much. Hey, another um, email here from Deborah in Georgia. Um, hi, Danny. With with um, will wooden deck post rot when embedded in a hole filled with concrete? Is there a better, long lasting solution? Uh, the soil I have at my house is is very much clay, and the drainage is pretty poor. Hey, great question there, Deborah. Because you know the old traditional thing of digging holes, putting posts in, filling concrete in there. It's still being done, but it's a far better way to do that by actually pouring a concrete, usually um, they'll, you know, square or round, uh, pretty much uh, just maybe an inch or so above the level of the ground. And then you have, and when, when you're pouring that, you want to position a metal saddle over it. Now, these saddles are available. You, Simpson Strong Ties um, has, has a line of them, but many, many companies have it. And it's essentially just a U-shaped piece of galvanized metal that you're attaching to the top of the concrete footing. Uh, then your 4x4 or 6x6 sits right in the saddle, and you put screws in each side. The advantage of this is that you're not surrounding the post with concrete, but you're, you have the advantage of the strength of the concrete so that it won't settle, and that's proven to be a much, much better way than pouring it all around with concrete. That's certainly something that's changed over the years, Joe, because yep. everybody used to pour those posts and just Put the concrete right around them. Yeah, the um, the, the Simpson Strong Tie, as Danny said, have a, you can go online and find they have a lot of different products. I think they're called like Post Anchor, or they have one called a Standoff Post Base. They're all basically the same thing. Now, um, what you do lose is the rigidity and the strength of burying a post and filling it with concrete around it, then that post is not going to move. But we still don't recommend doing that. It may require additional bracing, diagonal bracing, on the porch or the deck rather, um, but it's still worth it. And not only that, but if you do get some rot at the bottom of the post, um, it's easy to replace, right? Because it's not, it's not been cast in a big column of concrete. Exactly. So, um, you know, several different ways of going about things, but that's what, something that has kind of progressed. Now, that's a little different when you're doing a fence post because uh, fence posts um, do need that strength um, and you're not able to really brace it as easily, um, you know, without it looking unattractive. So um, if you're going to put it down in concrete, it's always good to wrap some type of fabric, some um, plastic or something around it, just so that you have a little bit of separation between the wood and the concrete 
itself. Hey, coming up, we're going to be talking about wood ceilings. I love wood ceilings, and you probably do too. There's a few things you have to consider before you install that wood on the ceiling of your porch or deck area. And we'll tell you all about it when we come back here on today's Homeowner Radio. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Custom Building Products, the leader in flooring preparation products and tile and stone installation systems. Hey, I wanted to ask you, are you currently getting the Today's Homeowner newsletter? Well, it's available for you. It's completely free. It gets in your um, inbox uh, once a week. All you have to do is go to todayshomeowner.com slash newsletter and sign up today. We've got some great, fresh information coming out every single week. Again, todayshomeowner.com slash newsletter. Right now, let's head back to the Today's Homeowner hotline for another call. We are going to build a three-season porch, and we want to put cedar on the ceiling. And I wanted to know if there was a certain type of finish or glaze that I should put up there. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, everybody loves the wood ceilings like that. When you're talking about cedar, boy, that's something I have used a lot of. But there's two options, one, the smooth side or the rough side. So that's the first thing you need to think about. I always recommend on a ceiling to go with a tongue and groove type of configuration because you're going to have a little bit of of expansion and contraction because of being outside and exposed to the elements a bit. So the tongue and groove is always better there. But uh, without a doubt, before you do anything, make sure that you do all of your finish or at least the majority of the finishing on it before you install it. And I would recommend, because you only get one chance, to go ahead and seal the back of it as well, the area that you're going to turn up into the attic space or whatever's above it, um, and go ahead and seal it all. It just minimizes the expansion and contraction. But Joe, when you're talking about, let's say for cedar, you're going to have a variation in the color of cedar. So it may be a um, a good advantage to lightly, if if you're using the smooth side, is to lightly sand, then take a tack rag and get all that dust off of there, and then either apply a clear sealer if you're okay with a little variation of wood, or to maybe stain it. I'll tell you, I've stained cedar with cedar stain more than once, and it just gives it that consistency. And then once you install, and then maybe put a coat of stain on it, put one coat of um, clear finish on it, then install it, and then take care of any little nail holes that you may see with a little bit of putty. Uh, Using tongue and groove, you'll have very few. Then put that last coat on after it's already installed. That's the best method I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, cedar, you could leave it plain because it's weather-resistant, and this is... Even though it's three seasons, not going to get rained on specifically. But yeah, I think I would at least put a clear wood preservative on it. You could stain it. You're not going to really be able to um, even out the colors because unless you just stain the light boards and try to match the dark boards, which would be a little difficult to do. I would just, you know, put a clear, if it was mine, I would just put a clear wood preservative on the top and the bottom. And typically when you stain, you stain the rough side and you paint the smooth side, but there's no reason you can't stain either side. Um, but I think I would just do a clear wood preservative. Um, uh, cause you know, that this way you're, you're putting cedar up there. I suspect because you like the look of cedar. So I would just go with that. 
Now, that's a wood look there, but if you want to put wood up there, and a lot of, a very common thing is one by six V groove or a beadboard. Now, either one of those, a yep. lot of times they're they're painted, uh, you know, they're, they're painted instead of stained. Still recommend at least one coat on the back side of that, again, to minimize the expansion and contraction. But that kind of brings up the old, uh, why do they paint those ceilings blue? Oh, boy, yeah, I can't tell you gorgeous. how many yep. times over the, over the years I've heard that. The kind of um, light blue, I think they call it haint, haint blue. Hate, yeah, H-A-I-G-H-T, hate right. blue. Yeah. yeah. And, and the reason, and if you ever look up, it's like sky blue. It's very light color blue. And that's exactly, that's traditionally, that's the way they say they paint, the reason they painted it is so that birds would not build nests inside the porch because they'll think it's the sky. Mm -hmm. And of course, they don't want open sky over their nest because of predators. And so that's supposed to keep birds from nesting, whether that's true or not, or whether it works or not, I'm not really sure. But that's the reason that light blue is traditionally the color used on the ceiling of those traditional front porches that you see on many older homes. And and I've heard that it's, it's supposed to um, also repel spiders or make it uh, where spiders oh, yeah? don't like it for maybe oh, okay. similar reasons. Not sure how effective that is, but uh, but anyway, but it especially an um, an older home that has the you know old beadboard on it that yep. light blue that um, yeah. eggshell type blue uh, looks pretty good. Just looks so traditional than just plain white. Yeah, absolutely. And plus, it's. You know, and it's always good to, that was probably fur. This usually used either pine or fur, and that should be protected. Um, and the reason we always recommend painting the backside, which is called back priming, even though you never see it, is to keep moisture from passing through the boards and blistering the paint off the front surface. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go back to the uh, Today's Homeowner uh, emails here. You can send us one at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Um, Carl in Florida says, six months ago, we moved into a central Florida neighborhood of newly built three-bedroom homes. I recently noticed it takes our clothes dryer a lot longer to dry a load of clothes than it did just a few months ago. In fact, it takes twice as long. I called the builder, and he ran a check of the dryer, the metal vent behind the dryer, and the vent that runs into the attic and through the roof. He said everything looked fine and that uh, perhaps we should have the vent cleaned out. Does that sound right? It's just uh, the two of us living here and we don't do that much laundry. Um, usually when a dryer is slowing down or you notice that it slowed down from um, the time that it took before, generally there is lint in there. Now, the whole right. vent might not be clogged, but there might be enough there that it's really preventing it from venting properly. So you can buy a vent um, cleaning brush, very, very easy with little expandable handles. It's a very inexpensive at Home Depot. And then you can pull your dryer out and clean it from that area. Or yep. you can also probably be a good idea to do both. You might have to go to the roof area and clear it from there. But either way, most of the time, that's the problem. And also, like any venting of an exhaust fan or a dryer vent, the, the shorter the vent distance, the better it's going to work. The better it'll exhaust and the better that dryer will work. Well, the other thing, the first thing he should check, if he can easily reach this from on the roof, the, the vent that's mounted to the roof, you can easily reach it without climbing onto the roof. You might need a ladder. But on the end of that vent, there's almost always a screen. It looks like a piece of hardware cloth. I guess it's just to keep animals from crawling up inside. Pop that out, and what you'll find is that might be completely coated with lint. That's, that's right. been blown through and gets stuck there. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, take that out, clean it, put it back. 
if you don't think animals are going to be an issue, I'd say leave it out. But um, but that that would be the first thing to check as well. And make sure, of course, it goes without saying to clean the interior um, uh, filter every right. single time you use it. Not on every the dryer now and itself, then, but every right. single time on the dryer. Hey, speaking of animals, the armadillos are marching in. <laughs> what can we do about the armadillos? They are invading a one of our listeners' house, and we want to help them out and without uh, breaking out the shotgun. We'll tell you what you can do when we come back right here on today's Home on the Radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Deitch Coatings. Easily roll on your new stone countertop, garage floor, and more in just a weekend with Deitch. And welcome back to the show. Danny Lipford here along with my buddy Joe Truini. We've gotten a, a lot of great calls on the hotline. We would encourage you to call us anytime. It's available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and that number is 800-946-4420. Let's go back to the hotline and grab another call. I heard a while back, Joe talking about how to get rid of moles. Well, I don't have any moles, but I do got a problem with armadillos, and I was wondering if you had any recommendations for how to get rid of those. Well, you know, you, you think about how, how, how widespread are armadillos. Uh, I associate them, of course, with, with Texas, you know. Texas and, and Arizona, I guess, Yeah, right? that kind yeah. of thing, you know, that kind of climate. But uh, here in Alabama, um, I don't know how long they've been around, but they're everywhere. I mean, you see them yeah. very regular just when you least expect it. And they root around in the yard a lot and so forth. So I assume they're looking for insects or something like that. But uh, I don't believe we've ever had a um, an armadillo invasion no. call here. So, uh, yeah. so Joe, what, what, what do you think on this? I mean, I know you're, you're a pro at a lot of things and I assume that you're, you're pretty savvy <laughs> about armadillo extraction. Yeah. We don't have a lot of armadillos here in Connecticut. I met a guy <laughs> once who looked like an armadillo, but he wasn't bothering anybody. So I let him, I released him to the wild. He's good, one. Um, no, but I think I remember we had this question once before a long time ago when I first joined the radio and I, I remember this unusual product that works, but first of all, yeah, w- people often think that if you use an herbicide to kill the grubs in your lawn, which is a good way to get rid of moles because moles just eat the grubs, that you'll get rid of the armadillo. But the armadillos don't eat the grubs, they eat the worms and anything else that's in the ground. So and the herbicide only kills the grubs, not the worms. But in any case, that doesn't usually work. And you could trap, you could, of course, trap them or relocate them. They're a little tricky to catch. So you have to disguise the trap and hide it someplace, but that might work. But there's a product that we we learned about. It's called Whole Control. Whole like with the W, W-H-O-L-E, Whole Control. It's essentially just 100% castor oil. And you hook it up to, a, a, you hook the bottle up to a garden hose and you spray it all over the area. Um, I think one quart covers about four to 5,000 square feet. It's effective for up to three or f- two or three months, depending on how much rain you get. And what happens is the armadillos are rooting around eating and they eat some of the castor oil and it causes their digestive system to do like flip-flops and, you know, they get sick to their stomach and they, they'll move on. It doesn't harm them at all, but they, they get stomach sick and they'll move off your property. So that's probably the most... Um, effective way to get rid of armadillos. Certainly, you don't want to be shooting them or trying to, you know, harm them in any way. You don't use poison because you don't know who else is going to get to the poison. And, and, so. and don't don't kick them. They're pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. yeah you don't want to. You don't, don't want to kick them. Yeah. <laughs> Danny had a story about that. Didn't go so well. <laughs> Fortunately, the armadillo is fine. So try that whole control. 
All right, back to the email stack here. Hope that certainly um, helped on that on that caller to get rid of those pesky things. But uh, you can send us an email if you'd like. Today's homeowner.com slash ask. That's what Andrew in Pittsburgh, PA, did. Hi, Danny. We recently had our master bathroom completely remodeled. We replaced the old single sink vanity with a new five foot long double sink vanity. However, we immediately notice that when we turn off the water at the sinks, there's a gurgling sound as the water drains out. At first, I thought one of the uh, sink drains might be clogged, but we heard the gurgling sound from each sink. What causes the sound and how can we stop it? We've heard this before, Danny. Yeah, that's, that's a, I, I would guess a, uh, they are kind of starved for air. That's exactly that, right. That, yeah. that the the venting is not right there, and and maybe it su- was sufficient for the one sink, but then just introducing that extra outlet in there may be causing a problem. And um, so it's kind of hard for a homeowner to install a vent because it's it's kind of tricky to understand how you can install a vent that yeah. will introduce air into the drain line without causing a leak. But, um, you know, I know they have the island vents, so we call yes. them. There's yep. uh, there's another name for it, but we traditionally use it in um, kitchen islands that have sinks there where you can't have a vent going straight up uh, with an open floor plan. So you have the little island vent there. But what else would you recommend um, to Andrew to try to correct this gurgling problem? Yeah, that's exactly right, Dan. It's called the AAV fixture or fitting. It stands for air admittance vent, Um, excuse me, valve, air admittance valve, AAV. If you go to any plumbing supply store, they'll, they'll have it for you. And the nice thing is you just install it cut it into the pipe in the vanity. It's underneath the top of the the vanity itself. So right inside that cabinet, you don't have to open up the wall or anything like that. Um, And if you're not sure how to do that, you can call a plumber. It wouldn't take him more than, if it took him a half an hour, he's, he's, he's stretching out the job. So I think the AAV would be the way to go to solve that problem because I'm sure it's a venting problem. Yeah, there's always uh, issues like that, that sometimes you do a little remodeling project and it causes other um, issues like that. But this one should be a real simple one for you to solve. Hey, coming up, it's simple solution time. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Wizard Screen Solutions. Find out more at wizardscreens.com. You know, we are very fortunate to get a lot of great emails from our listeners. We appreciate every one of them. We read every one of them and uh, try to uh, make sure that we try to get the, the solution to any problem that you might be having around your house. But also a lot of the emails just say, you know, we like that Joe fella. You know, he, he comes up <laughs> with some pretty good, simple solutions. And, and I agree 100%. So, Joe, share another one with us, will you? Absolutely. What Danny usually says is, yes, Danny, Joe does a great job. I give him these simple solutions. And he, reads them, he reads them exactly the way I write them. I started to say that very thing, but I, I thought yeah, I you had know, you know why? that out a little bit. Yeah, so. Danny tried that one time and I said, you're right, Danny, why don't you give the simple solution this week? And he was like, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> okay, Danny, here's a tip on how to make sure the smoke detectors in your home are operating properly. First, of course, you want to make sure that they're relatively new model and the batteries are fully charged. But what we should also do is vacuum them. That's right, vacuum them at least twice a year, three or four times a year would be even better. 
So remove the floor nozzle from the end of the vacuum wand and then just use it to vacuum any dust from around the outside perimeter of the detector and then also run the vacuum along the face of it, you know, especially around any vents. And what you want to do is remove any dust because the way the detector works it has a sensor inside. Smoke is actually made up of particulates and if those particulates go through this vent, the, the sensor will detect them and that's what sets off the alarm. So obviously if, if there's dust in the way, the sensors won't work properly. So that's how to make sure your detectors are working as well as they possibly could by vacuuming them a few times a year. And boy, that'll take almost no time at all, but a good, a little bit more comfort level for you yes. and your family around the house. Hey, I want to remind you what you can see on the Today's Homeowner Television Show this weekend. It's a brand new show. You remember hearing about all about the Backyard Paradise Contest? Well, the winner um, that we awarded the contest to lives just south of Atlanta, Georgia. Phenomenal family and a phenomenal project. What you'll see is a little simple slab that was only about 10 by 10. And we uh, considerably enlarged that. And some of the elements that we included um, in the paver patio is a raised garden bed. The homeowners love to, um, to do some gardening. So we provided a nice little thing for some of the ornamental plants and uh, herb garden and things like that there. Fire pit. Everybody loves a fire pit. How about a bocce ball court? Haven't uh, built one of those in a long, long time. So you can see how we did that and a lot of other things. All you need to do is go to today's homeowner.com and find out where you can see the show in your area. I think you'll really like this one. Yeah, I mean, especially the bocce ball cart. I like that idea. I one time went to a restaurant in New York City that had a bocce, bocce ball cart in the restaurant. Like Is right that next right? To the, yeah. Yeah, wow. it's pretty kind of on the, I wonder if that still exists. I'll have to check that out. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, one of the things we did there for a little table, we've never done this before. Again, another great idea from Chelsea. We actually took a water heater drain pan. You know, it has a drain yeah, pan yeah. that's, you know, about two feet. Circular, diameter, right? You know. yeah. yeah. And we poured quickrete countertop mix to okay. create a little countertop, a round countertop like that. We, right. And we, um, we had a little void right in the middle of it so that, and we allowed it to dry for a week. And then when we got there, we set a a post, a round post that was treated. Right. And then we were able to slip the concrete table over the post down to the right height so that it's perfect so that you can set your drink or you oh, can set, cool. you know, any of the scorecards or whatever that you may have for to, to play the game. But yeah. just kind of had a nice little accent. And then Chelsea found this really cool solar light to put right on top of it. So it's just a nice little feature over there. Obvious what it's for and just perfect. So and and those things are so cool because it probably didn't even cost $20 to create this very yeah. unique table. So you'll be able to see that in the show and exactly how we were able to put it together. Now, that's going to wrap up the Today's Homeowner Radio Show for this week. We certainly appreciate you spending some time with us. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my buddy Joe Truini, our engineer Corey Wilson, and our producer Jacob Scarborough, and the whole Today's Homeowner family, hoping you have a fantastic weekend and a great week. We'll see you next week.